With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Wednesday on which Arsenal are overpaying for a midfielder and we're not doing anything publicly at the moment. Um, I realised that I am a dumbass, which won't come as a surprise to anyone listening, but was a moderate surprise to me. Um, on Friday, I went through Graeme Souness's transfers and said that this week I would go through the rest and then completely forgot to do it the last two days. So we're back on that today. We're going to start with the 94-95 season, Roy Evans' first season in control. And we'll begin with the outs. So Dominic Matteo and Steve Harkness were both sent out on loan. Paul Stewart was sent on two different loans. Mark Walters was sent on loan. So Stewart and Walters were two of Sunes's big signings. Roy started to clear the decks. He continued to do that by releasing Torben Picnic on a free transfer, uh, by selling Julian Dix to West Ham at a 1.5 million loss to the club. Not Roy's fault, obviously. And then we did get good money for Don Hutchinson, 2.25 million. But this was a sad summer because three legends left the club. Steve Nickel went to Notts County. Ronnie Whelan went to Southend. And Bruce Grobler went to Southampton. And obviously all of them were massive players for us in the 80s. Steve Nickel, if you're picking an all-time Liverpool team, Steve Nickel's probably the left-back. If he's not... He's certainly on the bench. Former footballer of the year could play absolutely anywhere. Ronnie Whelan is one of the best midfielders we've ever had. And obviously Bruce Grobler, a legendary goalkeeper, replaced Ray Clemens, which people thought was impossible. Won a European Cup with us. Won multiple league titles with us. Maybe the most eccentric personality we've ever had at the club. In terms of incomings... Stigging Abjornaby came back off alone. Um, Michael Stensgaard arrived from Denmark for 500 grand. The only notable thing I remember about Michael Stensgaard is that he hurt himself when an ironing board fell on his foot. And that's literally it. 
Uh, Mark Kennedy arrived from Millwall. Mark Kennedy at the time was one of the most sought-after teenagers in English football. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. But he was superbly talented. Went on and had a good career. Just didn't really work with us. This is the type of summer that if it happened now, it would drive everybody nuts. Because right at the end of the summer, I think it might have even been the 1st of September, we signed Phil Babb from Coventry and John Scales from Wimbledon. Now, Scales had long been seen as one of the best centre-backs in the league. Someone that had had a bit of a roundabout way to the very top level was 28 years of age, was absolutely excellent. Phil Babb was coming off a World Cup in which he played an important role for Ireland. Unfortunately, what everybody missed at the time was that he'd been carried in that World Cup by Paul McGrath. He arrived at Liverpool and wasn't nearly as effective. Scales was very good for us. That year, we had Scales, Ruddock and Bab, or Scales, Wright and Bab as a back three. And particularly when it was Scales, Wright and Bab, it actually did work quite well. You had Bab's pace, which was his biggest attribute. Ruddock, when he played there, had a really good ability to play long passes from the back. So he could land the ball on Steve McManaman's chest from 50 yards away. Later, he would do it with Jason McAteer as well. Mark Wright was an excellent ball-playing centre-back, and Scales was the best defender of the group. So all in all, it wasn't a bad summer. Now, that season, we finished fourth, and we won the League Cup. Robbie Fowler scored 25 goals in the league. He scored 31 in all competitions. Steve McManaman and Fowler were maybe the most feared combination of one like a one-two punch in the league. Uh, we did have tragedy that year. Ian Frodsham, um, a 19-year-old player who just signed a professional contract, died of cancer of the spine. So that was obviously a massive downer for the whole club for the whole season. But all things considered, on the pitch, it was a pretty good season. We did pretty well. Now, we should really have finished third in the league that year. We lost to Aston Villa and West Ham in our third and second last games. We beat Blackburn on the final day, but because United choked at West Ham, Blackburn won the league. Moving on to 95-96. And, you know, when sometimes we look enviously at other clubs spending huge amounts of money, and then in retrospect you think, oh, I'm glad we didn't do that. This is an example of the opposite. So this year, summer of 95, again, a legend leaves. Jan Mulby goes to Swansea. Nigel Clough is sold to Manchester City. He's, like I said on Friday, his most famous moment is the two goals against United in the 3-3. Paul Stewart is released, as is Mark Walters. Lee Jones gets sent on loan to Wrexham, and Phil Charnock goes on loan 
to Blackpool. Coming in, there are four players promoted from the academy. Jamie Cassidy, Andy Harris, David Larmer and Ian Foster. We bring in Stephen Pears from Middlesbrough as a third or fourth choice goalkeeper on a free. And we spend big money. We buy Jason McAteer for about four and a half million pounds from Bolton. Bolton had come up and McAteer and Alan Stubbs were the two sort of star names in that team. We managed to get McAteer. He was a midfielder that we decided to play as a wing back, which always annoyed me because we had the best right back in the country at that point in Rob Jones, who we moved to left back or left wing back. I always wondered why we didn't try McAteer and Redknapp as a pair in midfield. It wouldn't have been the smartest pairing in terms of their own intelligence, but they were both very good players. And McAteer and or Redknapp more specifically had good footballing intelligence, even if he wasn't maybe the smartest off the pitch. Uh, McAteer definitely not the smartest off the pitch. There are some great Jason McAteer stories. And they're stories that he'll freely open up to himself. Um, but our big, big signing that summer was Stan Collymore, who had had an incredible season with Nottingham Forest and was basically being chased by everybody. And we spent $8.5 million, which was a record at the time, to bring him in. Now, the first season worked well. Stan, along with Robbie Fowler, were great together. And then... Stan's issues started to come up and unfortunately he suffered terribly with his mental health. I think the pressure of the move, the pressure of the pressure of having to live up to the fee, I think definitely took its effect on him. He he remains the most talented English forward I've ever seen. He could do everything. He was a great dribbler. He's 6'2" really, really powerfully built, great pace, could shoot with both feet from anywhere, could cross, could pass, great hold-up play. Stan was an absolutely outrageous talent and unfortunately just lost his battle with his with his demons and it, it, it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch, especially when he moved on and more came out about what he was going through. Because obviously when he was at Liverpool, none of this became all that public. And there was quite a bit of backlash against him. And, and you know, at the time it felt fair game. But when you find out afterwards what he was going through, it, it was difficult. He was an outrageous player. So we bring in him, we bring in McAteer. We finish third in the league. Fowler's again the top scorer. He gets 28 in the league and 36 in all competitions. Uh, Collymore scored 19 in all competitions. Also had a bunch of assists that year. And McManaman had 10 goals that season and probably double figures in assists. Fowler, Collymore with McManaman behind we genuinely had the best attacking trio in England. The issue was we didn't have the right partner for Jamie Redknapp. 
because John Barnes was well past his best at this point. So was Michael Thomas. McAteer was being used as a right wing back. Jones as a left wing back. And then you had the centre-back situation where Scales played right side most weeks, Bab played left side most weeks, and then it was Mark Wright. That season, Mark Wright played more than Ruddock. But when Ruddock played, his ability to ping it long to McManaman on one side or McAteer the other was a, a big attacking weapon for us. Our biggest issue, <clears throat> truth be told, is that David James just wasn't very good. Simple as that. He just wasn't very good. Uh, moving on to the 96. Actually, we're, let's have a look at that league table for a second. So we finish 11 points off top, 7 points behind Newcastle, who finished 6. That's the sorry, second. That's the famous season when Newcastle had the, the big lead and, and ended up bottling it. Um, all things considered, we were pretty good that season. We got to the FA Cup final. We lost to United because of David James. We went out in the fourth round of the Football League Cup to Newcastle. And Bromby knocked us out in Europe, which was a little bit embarrassing. But, you know, these things happen. Uh, Moving on to the 96-97 season. Where we would finish fourth. Um... Not a whole lot of money spent this summer. And if you ask me, we got worse. So we gave free transfers to Ian Foster, who hadn't made the grade, Phil Charnock, who hadn't made the grade, David Larmer and Andy Harris, who hadn't made the grade. Lee Jones went on another couple of loans. And Ian Rush left the club and joined Leeds. We also sold John Scales in a move that has never properly been explained. Maybe he wanted to move back to London. That's my assumption. He was a Southern lad. I think he wanted to move back to the South. Um, David Thompson and Jamie Carragher were promoted to the first team squad that year. Uh, Hacker Ingi Goodnison, who I genuinely don't remember, was uh, brought in from a club in Iceland. We also signed Bjorn Thor Kavame from Rosenberg, who in his debut looked awesome and then wasn't uh, and we brought in Patrick Berger and at the time when we signed Patrick Berger the thought was he's going to play left wing back and we're going to be ultra attacking McAteer and him and maybe Rob Jones slides in at right centre back even though he was a full back he was great defensively and it didn't really work out that way Berger played in more advanced positions but Berger and McAteer wide certainly made sense, or Berger and Jones wide with McIntyre moving central was another thought that people had. Um, we finished fourth. We went out of the FA Cup in the fourth round. We went out of the League Cup in the fifth round. Um, Burn- sorry, Chelsea had knocked us out of the FA Cup. Middlesbrough knocked us out of the League Cup. We did get to the semi-finals of the Cup Winners' Cup because we got into that competition because United were in the European Cup. Um, and we lost to PSG. They beat us 3-0 in the first leg in Paris, and then we beat them 2-0 at Anfield. They went on to lose the final to Barcelona that year. We we likely would have lost to Barcelona, but I think we'd have had a decent crack at them. They had Ronaldo that year, like the real Ronaldo. That's the Bobby Robson year where they won 
I think, three cups, the Copa del Rey and the Super Cup, as well as the Copa Nuts Cup. Then he got replaced by Louis van Gaal. Um, Rob Jones missed most of that season through injury. Cavarma only played 15 league games. Mark Wright played a lot. Dominic Matteo got more and more run in the team because Phil Babb had some injuries. Stigin Gibjornaby established himself as the left-back that year. We were pretty good. Collymore had a drop-off. Fowler had a bit of a drop-off as well. He got 18 in the league, 31 in all competitions. Still incredible, but not quite what we'd seen from him the previous two years. Uh, Berger had a decent first year, but didn't quite live up to expectations. We'll move on to 97-98. We finally signed a defensive midfielder. We've been screaming for one for years. We signed Paul Ince, former Man United player. He'd been with Inter, and we brought him in for, I think we paid $7 million at the time. We signed Ivan Leonardson. This signing infuriated me at, at 15. Um, just painfully average. We signed Danny Murphy from Crew. I think it was him and Gareth Wally were the two lads at Crew that everybody was after. And Wally didn't quite get the big money move. I think he played for Bradford for a while. Let's check that because it will annoy me. Gareth Wally. Yeah, he would go to Bradford the following year. Uh, then Cardiff. He was older than, than Murphy. Murphy was quite young when we signed him, 20. Wally was 25 at the time. But they were the two kind of main midfield players there. And um, we signed Karl-Heinz Riedler, who had just won the European Cup with Borussia Dortmund, was a, a kind of fairly legendary name. We signed Brad Friedel. And he'd obviously go on and have a tremendous career, just not with us. Uh, Jürgen Nielsen was brought in from Denmark. Again, not one that many people will have much memory of. And Michael Owen was promoted from the academy. We sold Stan Collymore that summer. We sold him to Aston Villa. We sold Mark Kennedy to Wimbledon. We sold Lee Jones John Barnes left. Michael Stensgaard left. Tony Warner was loaned out, as was David Thompson. We finished third. We got knocked out in the third round of the FA Cup by Coventry at home. We got to the semi-final of the League Cup and lost 3-2 in aggregate to Middlesbrough. And we went out of the UEFA Cup in the second round. Many people will remember the first round where we played Celtic. And McManaman scored a wonder goal up at Parkhead. Um, then Strasbourg beat us, which was hugely disappointing. Again, though, third in the league. Like the thing with Evans, with Roy Evans, is if there'd been Champions League the way it is now back then, he'd have had us in the Champions League every season. We never finished below fourth. The issue was we were never competing for the title. Finishing third, but 13 points off the, off the top. 
we were really good going forward. Our issue was we were struggling defensively in large part because our goalkeeper was not very good. Not very good at all. Um, we might as well do 98, 99, even though this is the season where we have the two managers to begin with and then Roy Evans leaves in November. But Roy was involved in the summer. So um, we loaned Danny Murphy back to Crewe. Tony Warner went on loan to Celtic and then to Aberdeen. Michael Thomas left on a free to join Benfica. Steve Harkness went to Benfica as well. Graham Souness was the Benfica manager at the time. We sold Jason McAteer and we sold Neil Ruddock. Uh, and Mark Wright retired. Uh, coming in, Stephen Gerrard was promoted to the first team squad, as was John Mooby, sorry, John Newby and Kevin Doherty. <clears throat> we brought Steve Staunton back to the club. We signed John Michel Ferry, largely because Gerard Houllier wanted a French person in the dressing room as a bit of a spy. We signed Jimmy Traore. We spent a lot of money on Frode Kippa, who you probably don't remember. We spent a significant amount of money on Sean Dundee. We spent an even more significant amount of money on Rigobert Song. And then we also went big on Vigard Hegem. We finished seventh. And our season was a pretty big catastrophe. Started out fairly well. Won three of our first four and drew with Arsenal. And then we won one of our next nine, including five defeats. Then we won two. Then we lost two. Roy was gone. We went in a little bit of a run over Christmas. Four wins and a draw from five. Another draw with Arsenal. This was a really good Arsenal team as well. Then we won... Two of six, two of 11. Uh, we beat Everton in the derby, though, so that, that was important. Um, yeah, and it just the season was a bit of a damn squib. We went out of the FA Cup to Manchester United. This is obviously the year they won the treble as well. They beat us with two very, very late goals at Old Trafford. Otherwise, we could have stopped the treble dead in its tracks. Um, we went out of the League Cup to Spurs. They beat us 3-1 at Anfield. John Scales scoring for them. In the UEFA Cup, we went out in the third round. We had knocked out Valencia, who were good, and then we lost to Celta Vigo, who we didn't realise were as good. But they had that Alexander Mostovoy, Valerie Carpen pairing. They were brilliant. That Celta Vigo team were brilliant. Probably the best Celta team ever. Friedel played a bit, not enough. James played more often. Kvarme barely played. Song barely played. Steve Staunton played probably too much. Bab played absolutely too much. Vigard Hegem played regularly. Stiginga Bjornaby played regularly. Dominic Matteo. Three of our centre-backs, because Staunton was playing centre-back at this point. Three of our main centre-backs were all left-footed. Jamie Carragher was our most frequently picked defender that year he played centre-back and he would largely then start to get moved around to full-back when Sammy and and Stefan Encho arrived Um, Steve McManaman was again phenomenal Jamie Redknapp was outstanding that year as was Patrick Berger 
Paul Ince actually had a good season. Scored nine goals, but fell out with Julier. Ferry barely played. David Thompson played a bit, and Steven Gerrard got his first games. Fowler wasn't as in, as good, but had some injuries. Owen was incredible. Karl-Heinz Riedler was pretty good. Didn't score a lot of goals, but was pretty good and was a better partner for either Owen or Fowler than they were for each other. Sean Dundee, the less said, the better. Um, McIntyre was actually playing pretty well when we decided to sell him, which was disappointing, but, you know, it is what it is. So all things considered, um, some really fun buys during the Roy Evans era. Some real excitement. Like when we signed Collymore, it was just, it, it seemed like such a massive thing. We were paying $8.5 million for a guy who looked like he was the future of the England national team. And with him and Fowler and McManaman, we were like, well, these are all, these are young guys. These are going to be here. And we still had Redknapp, and this was before Redknapp really broke down with injuries. So Redknapp was 22 when Collymore arrived. I think Collymore was 24. Yeah, Collymore was 24. Fowler was 20. And McManaman, I think, would have been 23. Yeah, 23. And we thought that four, they're they're going to be here for years and years. And then, obviously, we got McAteer that year as well, who was, again, one that everybody wanted. He was 24. We had Rob Jones, who was still phenomenal. He was 24. Like, it looked like we were going to have the core of something really, really good. And then we had Berger the next summer. He's 23. There was all this buzz around this kid in the academy who was Michael Owen who was going to come through as well. Like, we had such such hope at that point for these players. And unfortunately, a League Cup was all that really came out of it, which was disappointing. One decent run in Europe. But they did get top four. And I always wondered if Roy... If Roy'd been a bit more of a of a taskmaster, because he let them away with too much, and there was too many bad influences there, the likes of Razor Ruddock was just a bad influence. I always wondered if he could have got some more hard edged senior pros. You know, Ince was Ince made a lot of sense at the time. He would have made more sense two years earlier. Like if we just had even Roy Keane, his mindset in that team. And we did try, but we never got close. (laughs) I do always wonder what might have been. Because we were top four every year. It was the defence that was letting us down. But in in scales and right, you had two-thirds of the defence. The Bab signing was a mistake. 
if we'd gotten a better left-sided centre-back, but left-footed centre-backs were few and far between, if we'd gotten a better left-side centre-back and had an actual left-back and kept Rob Jones at right-back, played McAteer and Redknapp, McManam and Fowler-Owen, if we could have just been stronger defensively and obviously a better goalkeeper, I do wonder. I do wonder because that front three, I would put up against any that I've seen since. That first year, Colleen, when Collymore was on it, he was he was unstoppable. And Fowler is the best natural finisher that the English game has seen. And McManaman for a couple of seasons was the best player in the country. Yeah, a shame, a shame. Um, I was going to go around the main Liverpool websites, but I'm already 27 minutes in, so I'm just going to pass on that for today. Check them out when you get a chance. There are some new articles up on AnfieldIndex.com. Darwin Nunes and Now or Never Season Beckons. I think that's a little bit... I think that's a little bit over the top, to be totally honest. Um, Written by Dave Davis, but I I do think that's a little bit over the top. Um, Fabio Carvalho's on his his way to Leipzig on loan. There's an article about that. Can Luis Diaz join the list of great Liverpool number sevens? Liverpool eye La Liga-based South American midfielder. That is about the incredible Federico... Valverde, if we could sign him, it would be the best possible signing we could make this summer. But it's not going to happen. And then there is a piece about um, Fede Chiesa, who would also be a great signing, but again, probably not going to happen. We have two new podcasts up. There is a Red Alert with Dave Davis and Mark Evans. And there is part two of myself and Carl going over one player who needs to leave each club and one player to have a breakout season, going from Liverpool through to Wolves. Today we're recording again, so that'll probably be out tomorrow. Uh, There will be a two-part article coming out on AI, hopefully tomorrow. Part one will be written by Brother Downey. Part two will be written by me. He will be happy. I will be miserable. It will be right on brand, so look out for that one. And that's all I have today, folks. Take care. Tomorrow. The Gerard Houllier years. There's some good ones. There's some fucking stinkers in there too. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.